0: Let me just start by saying thank you for giving me the privilege of serving you as a pastor for the last six years and, and now uh, as an elder of this church. You know, I do thank God for His amazing grace. We just sang about His amazing grace a few minutes ago. And I thank God for the grace that He's extended to each one of us in this room. Have you felt God's grace in your life? Amen. Amen. Uh, Steve said, I have been a ministry partner since the very beginning, and you know, back in the day, I had absolutely no intention of being here doing this. Um, My plan was to live for me, make lots of money, advance my career, be successful in every way according to the world's definition of success. And you know, uh, as I launched out into my business career and professional career many years ago, I met a group with a dream to plant a church. Uh, They were all filled with the Spirit of God and they were looking to plant and started this little church. And um, at the time, I decided to, you know, join. Join the little effort. I thought I'd hang out and see what God was doing and see what I could do there. And I have to tell you, I think that's been one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Um, Because... You know, I don't know all the reasons that Jesus decided to plant this church. I'm sure there's an infinite number of reasons. But I do know one reason. I do know that Jesus loved me so much that he planted right here in Gehenna, Ohio, a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, God-honoring church right in my backyard. Amen. Amen. And that was just a great blessing to me. It's been a great blessing to me because through the years, I, like you, have had all my joys and sorrows, you know, good days and bad days. There have been days I just never, never want to forget. And then there have been days I just try never, never to remember. And you know what I'm talking about. But through all of life's uncertainty, there have been two consistent things in my life that have just held me together. And one is the unwavering and unfaltering love of Jesus Christ. He's held me in his hands. He's kept me close to his heart. He has shown himself faithful to me through the years. He's always cared for me. And the other consistent thing in my life has been this church. You, my family. And uh, I really thank God for my family, because you've been there for me. We're not a perfect family, but we're a family that loves Jesus. And so this morning, let me just encourage you, not as Pastor Claude, not as Elder Claude, (laughs) I'm not that old, but just as a fellow member of New Life, don't think of this place as just a building that you come to to receive some kind of gifts or services like, like the Red Cross. Those folks are doing a great job in the back hallway, but this isn't the Red Cross. Don't think of this place as just some place where you come and do your duty. You do your duty to God. You just check it off. I've gone to church. Think of this as to what it really is, a family, a family that you can engage with. And let me encourage you to engage deeply, connect deeply to this body. Give, serve, love, pray. Connect, because I guarantee you that the deeper you connect in here, God will bless your life. I'm a testimony of that, and I will say, praise God for you, praise God for New Life Church, amen? Well, this morning, we're going to continue our investigation of Matthew. We've been working through the first four chapters of Matthew over the last... Several weeks, and today we're going to be wrapping up our journey. And you know we've learned that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all wrote historical accounts of Jesus, and each one had directed their message to a different target audience, and their message was to show a different perspective of Jesus' character, his mission, and his purpose. And so Matthew's target audience was the Jewish people. Matthew wanted to prove to the Jewish world that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah that the scriptures had predicted, that he was the king of Israel. He wanted Israel to know that Jesus was this anointed king of kings who would reign forever, the king that Israel longed for. And you know, the last few weeks from Matthew and these first four chapters, we've discovered that Jesus did in fact come from a royal uh, lineage, a human kingly line. And what we know is through his miraculous birth that he didn't only come through a human kingly line, but Jesus Christ came through a supernatural God line. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is not only the human king that Israel was looking for, but Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. In the last few weeks, we've been there when he was baptized and God spoke from heaven. We were there when Satan tried to tempt him and distract him from his mission. But Jesus passed that test. And then last week, Pastor Steve talked to us about Jesus being the light in the dark world. Jesus, the light of the world, driving the darkness away. And we learned that after the first year of his ministry in obscurity, he moved up to Galilee in that densely populated, important commercial center, and he began his second year of ministry in earnest. He began to preach the gospel of the kingdom in earnest. And Steve ended last week with Matthew four seventeen, where Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. King Jesus, preaching his message of the kingdom, fulfilling his mission. And so this morning we're going to finish Matthew chapter 4. And so we're going to start at verse 18. The sermon notes are in your worship folder there, and the scripture is at the top. So you can follow along while I read. Matthew 4:18 says While walking by the sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon who is called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men Immediately they left their nets and they followed him and going on from there he saw two other brothers James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him, and he went out through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now Matthew chapter 4 verses 12 to 25, we started at 18, but 12 to 25 is really a summary introduction passage, if you will, that covers the first two years of Jesus' ministry. And Matthew gives this summary And then he develops it over the next 10 chapters in Matthew, from chapter 5 through chapter 14. He's basically developing this paragraph. And in those chapters and in this paragraph, Matthew clearly demonstrates that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Israel. And that he was on a mission. And so what was the king's mission this morning? Well, Jesus came to fully reveal God. a lost world to reveal that God is holy that he is just and that he's merciful and so how did he do that well he did that by dying on a cross as payment for our sin and then on the third day he rose from the dead securing the victory over death Jesus Christ on mission and he did that so that all who would repent And believe in him could become children of God. That's what John 1, 12 says. He says, to all who believe upon his name, he gives the right to become the children of God. John said, believe on his name. What is his name? Jesus. You know what Jesus means? When you say Jesus, you're saying Yahweh is salvation. That means God, Yahweh is the name of God. So you're saying God is salvation. You're talking about his origin. He is God. And you're talking about his mission, salvation. Every time you say the name of Jesus, you're declaring his origin as God and his mission is salvation. And John said that whoever accepts his name, meaning that you give mental agreement to that name and you give heart, faith, allegiance to the truth that Jesus is God and that he came to save you He says when you accept that name, then God confers upon you a special status, and you become a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. King Jesus has come to rule an everlasting kingdom populated by those who've accepted his name and his message and have become his children. Are you a child of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, here in Matthew, we see the king's mission, and we see Jesus calling some men who he's going to train to preach his message. And not only does he call them, but over the next couple of years, he proves to them who he is through his words and through his actions. And he gives them the confidence so that after he's gone back to the Father, they will continue to preach that message of grace grace and forgiveness, and hope, and because they continued to preach that, you and I are here today as worshipers of Jesus Christ. So, what happens here in Matthew? Well, you know, on this day, Jesus sees Peter and Andrew, and their brothers, and they're working their fishing business, and Jesus comes up to the shore and says, hey guys, follow me, quit your job, and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And these two guys, they just say, okay, and they shut their business down and begin to follow him. He goes down a little shore a little bit further, and he sees James and John, also brothers, and he says to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they drop their nets and tag right along with Jesus. Now, as I was reading this, I was thinking, does this seem strange, or is it just me? (laughs) I mean, seriously. You know, here's this guy, he comes out of the blue, Uh, with no visible means of support. I mean, he seems like a nice enough fella, you know, talking about God and doing some good stuff. But seriously, I mean, he has the audacity to say, hey, quit your job, drop everything you're doing, and just follow me. That seems strange. But then what's stranger is these guys go, duh, okay. (laughs) You know, I just, you know, who needs to eat? I just quit everything and dropped the business and started hanging out with you for a while. Praise God their wives weren't there. (laughs) Because, yeah, that would have, might have changed the situation a little bit. So, you um, you know, that's a great plan. Have you ever wondered or worried about being a follower of Jesus Christ? You know that he's going to call you and you're going to somehow end up being a missionary in some jungle somewhere, eating bugs, running from cannibals. I mean, don't we think that the very exact thing, exact opposite of what I want to do is where Jesus is going to call me, you know? So if you just read this verse in Matthew, it kind of gives you that impression. Jesus walks up out of the blue and just says, take a chance on me. But if we only had these verses, we might think these guys were a little bit stupid or that Jesus calls us to some irrational pursuit. But actually, from the other Gospels, we learn this is the second time these guys have followed Jesus. They actually knew something about him. You know, John chapter uh, 1 tells us that Andrew and probably Peter also were disciples of John the Baptist and that uh, James and John were around there also. And one day, Jesus is walking down the road, and John looks at at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew and Peter hear that, and they begin to follow Jesus. And so for a period of time, they were hanging around Jesus. They heard his initial teaching. And in fact, they went to a wedding where he turned water into wine. So they hung out with him for a while, but apparently at some point they decided to go back up to Capernaum around Galilee and relaunch their fishing business. So they weren't really totally convinced about Jesus. Now it's interesting, on this day, not only did they have a little foreknowledge of Jesus, but on this day, there was a miracle that occurred. Matthew 4 doesn't really tell us, but Luke chapter 5 expands and gives us the details of what happened this day. Because on this day was the day that Peter and and Andrew and James and John, who were actually partners in the fishing business, they went out and they were fishing all night long. And they had been working very hard, and by the morning they had not caught a single fish. And Jesus comes up and says, hey guys, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And, you know, Peter, being Peter, looks at him and says, "Um, seriously dude, I mean, we're fishermen. We are professional fishermen. We know what we're doing. And we've been doing this all night. And I got to tell you, there's no fish here. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you did turn water into wine. And you're so confident about it, we'll go ahead and try it. They obeyed, and what happened? caught lots of fish. That's right. Their nets began to break. Their boats began to sink. They caught so many fish. Peter looked at Jesus, and he knew there was something going on here. He knew Jesus was something special. He said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, listen, you've been catching a lot of fish in your life. I'm going to give you a better job. You're going to catch men. Follow me. And so, you know, they laid down their nets and they followed Jesus Christ. These guys weren't making a foolish, irrational decision. They weren't idiots. You know, you don't have to check your brain at the door to follow Jesus. Jesus is not some crutch for weak-minded people. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, Amen? amen? Amen. And so... You can't investigate Jesus, take an intellectually honest look at Jesus and come away believing he's just some ordinary guy. You're going to know he's king of kings. And so when Jesus came to these guys this day and provided a huge catch and he called them to leave their mission of fishing for fish and join him on his mission of fishing for men, it wasn't a sucker's bet. They knew this was something special. Now, obviously, they didn't understand what this fishing for men business was all about. Um, and I suspect they had doubts, don't you? But Jesus, over the next couple of years, began to prove himself and reveal himself to them. Because Matthew says that after he called these guys, then he began to go all over Galilee, preaching and teaching and healing the sick. And he was attracting huge crowds. Crowds were coming from all over the region to follow, to listen to Jesus, to listen to his words, to be healed. So Jesus proved himself to these guys. Jesus revealed himself to the disciples and to the crowds with three actions, Matthew says. He says, first, teaching. And that word means he taught the truth about himself, he taught the scripture, and he taught how he fulfilled the scripture. That word for teaching means the careful, Deliberate passing on of information. Jesus carefully and deliberately passed on the truth of the scripture about himself. He gave them enough facts to believe who he was. And Matthew says while he was teaching, he was also preaching. And that preaching is a different word. And it it really refers to not so much the content of the information, but how he delivered it. It means to herald out. It means Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He would stand in the temple and he would declare things out loud about himself, calling people to believe who he was. So through his words he would teach and he would preach and certainly he gave enough information there to know who he was, but then Matthew says he demonstrated his deity or backed up what he was saying by healing every kind of diseased person that was brought to him. Through the Gospels, we have all kinds of accounts of Jesus healing all kinds of diseases in all kinds of situations and all all kinds of people. In fact, there were three instances documented where he rose three people from the dead. So clearly, Jesus demonstrated his power and his authority through healing. He presented his kingly credentials. He said, Israel, I'm your king, and here's how you're going to know who I am through his words and through his works, he preached this message, this good news of the kingdom. And what was this good news he was preaching? God has a kingdom. He wants you to be in it. And here's how. Well, that's good news. That was the message Jesus delivered. And I think the message of King Jesus to prove his deity by what he said and what he did actually made a difference. I think Jesus proved himself Specifically to three groups, at least. And I think the first group Jesus proved himself to be king to was the religious leadership who rejected him. You know that through his words and through his works, he proved to them that they should fear him because their self serving religious system was now over. The king had come, there's a new sheriff in town, things are changing. And I think those religious leaders actually knew the truth. Why? Because they, wanted, they killed him. They didn't want to give up their position, their power, their authority, and they knew who he was, and they couldn't deal with it. And so they killed him. I think Jesus proved himself to those religious leaders who rejected him. I also think Jesus proved himself to the crowds that were following him. Matthew alludes to the fact that huge crowds followed Jesus all the time, and in those crowds, you know, some believed and some didn't. And clearly by the time he was crucified, there was nobody around except maybe John and his mother and a few of the other ladies. Everybody had left him, even the huge crowds that had been following him. We might think, you know, no one believed who he was, but I find it interesting That in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that after Jesus resurrected from the dead, that he appeared to over 500 brethren at one time. So, I mean, that had to be in that window, right? That 40-day window before he went back to the Father. So there was at least 500 people who believed in him. They saw his works, they heard his words, and they saw him alive. Jesus proved himself to the religious leadership who rejected him and killed him. He reproved himself to at least 500 people. And then more importantly, I think Jesus proved himself to the men who carried his message, those men who would carry that message, the disciples, because they would witness all of his actions, they would hear all of his words, and while they were somewhat ignorant really of what was going on, they still believed in him. In fact, their belief in Jesus compelled them to, ev- to evangelize their world. You know, Acts 17 says that, after Jesus sent it back to Father, that they turned the world upside down. No cell phones, no Facebook, no iPads. They turned the world upside down. So clearly they believed who Jesus was. He proved his supernatural kingship to Peter and Andrew, and James, and John. Jesus was the king, is the king of kings, and he proved it by what he said and by what he did. Now, Jesus stood on that shore that day, and he called these guys. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Let's let's spend the rest of our time talking about this call. Because there's some things I want us to take away from this that I want you to take home with you. First off, I want us to think about the fact that Jesus here is the one calling. Jesus is calling. You know, these disciples didn't follow him until he gave them this special call. They knew him before, they saw a few little things he did, but he gave them this special call and they began to follow. In John 15, Jesus looked at the disciples right in the face and he said, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Go forth and bear much fruit. Jesus came to that shore where these guys were, and he said, follow me. And he was the one that was calling them to a higher purpose. We think about that this morning. Let me ask you, have you heard the call from Jesus in your life? Jesus is the one calling you. It's not Pastor Steve. It's not Pastor Jay. It's not New Life Church. Jesus is the one calling. And have you heard his call? Has there been a time in your life where you felt convicted of your sin and been drawn to him? And did you answer that call with a, yes, I'll follow you? I hope so. And if you have heard that call, Jesus calls to each one of us just as he called these men. He calls us first to repentance and then throughout our lives I think he calls us to join his mission at different times in different ways, in deeper ways. Jesus is constantly calling us, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Are you actively on mission with Jesus this morning? Not only is Jesus the one calling but Jesus knew who he was calling. He knew these guys. You know, there was a situation in Luke chapter 6. It's a different time, but Jesus is going to select 12 specific guys that he wants to call out. And Luke chapter 6 verse 12 says, In these days he, talking about Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer. And when day came, he called the disciples and chose from the 12 whom he named Apostles. Luke says that one day Jesus had a special plan to ordain a specific crew of guys to give them a specific authority, a message, and a mission. And he goes out all night and prays all night long before he makes this choice. He prayed specifically for this group. Do you think he just picked these guys at random? I don't think so. Do you think his prayer was something like, Father, I need 12 warm bodies to get the job done? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I don't think so. I think Jesus took this choice very seriously. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, came to make manifest the presence of God and who God is to mankind, and he did it by. Uh, giving his life. It cost him his life. He took this seriously. Jesus chooses his partners very seriously and carefully. In John chapter 6, he says, have I not chosen you 12? In John 13, he says, I know who I'm, whom I've chosen. You know, Jesus selected those, those 12 guys because he knew who they were. He knew who he was calling He knew that once he was gone, the persecution was going to fire up and that these guys would certainly stick with it, that they would forge ahead carrying his message to the world. He knew how they would be and how they would respond. He even knew the one that would fall away. I mean, even Judas had a kingdom purpose. So these guys he selected, they were, you know, they were tough, crusty, outdoorsmen with all kinds of problems. I mean, they lacked spiritual perception, didn't they? I mean, it didn't matter what Jesus said to them the first few months. They never did figure it out. He'd speak, and they'd scratch their heads like, what did he say? What does that mean? He would, talk, he would give them the parables, and the parables would just fly right by them. They had no clue. We see through the Gospels that um, they had little sympathy. They had very little compassion at times. They lacked humility. I mean, think about it. On the night of, before his crucifixion, they couldn't even stay awake to pray with him. You know, I sometimes imagine that they, they probably had that, you know, that discipleship swagger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're on the inside track. We're following Jesus. We get all the special teachings. Probably had a little bit of pride going there. But Jesus saw something in them, didn't he? He knew their potential. He knew what he was doing. He knew that as they followed him, they'd be transformed. And you know, it's interesting. He didn't pick the best or the brightest. He didn't go to the rabbis and pick the best rabbis. He didn't go to the yeshiva school and pick the best students out of there, did he? No. He picked just ordinary guys. He was relying on something better than worldly wisdom, better than human influence, better than religious formality and ritual. Jesus knew that when he called these guys that eventually they would die for him. He knew they would love him and follow him. He knew they'd be faithful. You know something this morning? Jesus knows you. right where you are right now, He sees that same potential in you. You're created for His glory. And there's absolutely nothing about your past or about your future He doesn't know. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your success. He knows your failure. As you're out there in that boat struggling to catch fish, He's standing on the shore saying, Hey, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. He's calling you today to a deeper walk. You know why? Because he knows you'll be faithful. Just as he called those men, he's calling us today. Jesus was the one calling. Jesus knew who he was calling, and he knew why he was calling them. Jesus knew why he called them. He says, I know you guys are great at catching fish, but come with me because I'm calling you to a higher purpose. You know, certainly Jesus wanted these guys to join him in the mission of spreading the gospel message, and that was the result of his call. But what was his call? His call was, follow me. The higher purpose he was calling them to was to get to know him. Their ministry, their lives, all of their effort and success would just be the result of knowing Jesus personally, of following him. Because, you know, Jesus could have spread his message all by himself. I mean, he could have written in big purple letters across the sky the message of the gospel with flames and fireballs and earthquakes. He didn't need these guys to preach for him. He could have took care of that all by himself. But you know what he does? He likes to give us the privilege and the joy of being a part of what he's doing. He wants to give us today the joy and the privilege of being a part of working in his kingdom. Jesus' call, follow me. Clearly, the result of his call is that the better we know him, I think the faster we run to tell the world about him. But Jesus came to reveal God to men. He came to to be that bridge that allows us to know him personally, to know him. Not just know about him, not just have some cool facts that you heard on TV or heard in some sermon or you read in some book, not to know things about him, but to know him, to know him. He says, follow me, get to know me, relate to me. At one point he said, take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. Let me ask you this morning, not to create guilt, not to try to manipulate you into some Christian duty, because you don't have to answer this question to me, but right there where you sit, right now, today, do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Are you one of His children? And if you are a believer, do you know Jesus? Could you know him better? What are we doing in our lives to know him? Not what we're talking about doing, but what are we doing in our lives to know him? He so wants to know you. Are you striving to get to know him, to follow him, to love him deeper? Do you live each day striving to know him, or do we have a a Christian belief in here But our heart's desire in here and our actions out here show that we're actually striving for something else. Do you know Jesus today? Does his love just burn in you and motivate you to tell others about him? You know, Jesus gathered up 12 guys that he spent a lot of time pouring his life into. Are you pouring your life into someone? He spent time with them so that they would know him. Are you spending time with someone so that they would know Jesus? Do you know him today? Not only did Jesus call them and knew who he called and knew why he called, but you know he called them right where they were. He called them right where they were. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, follow me and I'll make you soldiers of the kingdom. He didn't say, follow me and I'll teach you how to plant seeds to reap a harvest. He didn't even say, follow me, and we'll run a marathon together. He said, follow me, and we'll fish. Why? Because that's who they were. That's exactly who they were. These guys were fishermen. They really know how to fish. They, as fishermen, they had to have courage, patience. They had to be flexible. They had to have great timing. All of those traits made them good fishermen. But it made them great ministers of the gospel. Jesus didn't call these guys to be welders or carpenters or doctors or tax collectors. He he called them to be who they were. Jesus loved and valued these guys right where they were. In his eyes, they were the perfect choice. These men were ordinary, common people just doing their thing. And you know who Jesus loves to save and use for his glory? Just ordinary, common people doing their thing. Praise God. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, this thought really excites me because Jesus calls us right where we are. He doesn't expect me to be anybody else. He doesn't expect you to be anybody else but you. You don't have to gain some special knowledge or ability. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up to spend time with him. He doesn't say, you know, you you straighten yourself up and then we'll take a little trip. He says, you just do what you know to do. Let me take care of the results. You follow me. Jesus called these men to follow him. He knew why he called them. He knew who he called. And he called them right where they were. You know, about nine years ago, Jesus began to tug on my heart. And I was doing pretty well in the business world. I had a fairly good reputation. I was doing a lot of great things. I was standing out there in the water, and I was catching lots of fish. But through his words and his works, Jesus has proven himself to be the king of kings in my life. And so, one day he was standing on the shore, and he called, and he said, Claude, come away with me. Get to know me better, and I'll make you a fisher of men it was a tough decision to set my career aside, I have to tell you, and head in a new, completely unknown direction. I had no idea if it would work out or if I would be even able to do what he was calling me to do. But, you know, through his words and in his works in my life, I could do nothing but trust him. So it was about three years or so for this plan to unfold. But I made the decision to park my boat and follow Jesus. I have to tell you, this isn't the easiest job I've ever had. And some days, I ask myself, what in the world have I done? But you know what? I've never looked back. Because what I know is that if Jesus is leading the way, it's the right direction. So as I close this morning, I want to ask you three questions. And I hope that you take these questions with you today. This afternoon... Tonight, you're sitting there watching the Super Bowl and during the commercials, you talk about it or whatever, or this week, you pray about it. Question number one, are you living for King Jesus as he carries out his mission? Has there been a time when you heard his call, this good news of salvation, this gospel, and you've believed upon his name? Can you look me in the eye today and say, Claude, I'm a son or a daughter of the king? You know, in a few minutes, our prayer partners are going to be up here, and you can come up and pray with them. If you don't know for sure if you're in his family, let me encourage you to come up and talk or pray with one of them, and and you can take that step today. If you are a follower of Jesus, let me ask you, has he proven himself to be the king in your life? Have you witnessed his words and his works such in your life that you know he's the king of kings? and you can trust him with your life? I mean, if he is God, and I believe that he is, we'd better listen to his call. So does your life reflect the truth that he is king? Is he king in your life today? And if so, where is Jesus calling you to follow him? I know for sure that Jesus is calling every single person in this room today, every one of us, he's calling us to a deeper walk with him come get to know me better but then as a result of that call where else might he be calling you might he be calling you to go next door and meet those neighbors that you've never really met and love them to Jesus maybe he's calling you to find a small group maybe he's calling you to gather a few people around you and lead a small group gather some people around you can pour your life into Maybe he's calling you to get get outside of your world and reach out to others in a different ministry. Like maybe he's wanting you to go visit those who are in prison. Or maybe he's wanting you to go to a soup kitchen and serve. Maybe he's wanting you to go to your kid's school and get to know the staff. Maybe he's wanting you to start a Bible study at your work. Maybe he's wanting you to go to Uganda. Uganda. Or whatever. Where is Jesus calling you? Calling you into a deeper relationship with Him and then calling you to reach out in love as a result of that. You know, next week Pastor Steve is going to begin this 40-day spiritual adventure with us called Love Works. And he's going to be challenging us to listen to the voice of Jesus to actively show love to all those people in our world. And we want to release all of you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Who needs Jesus in your world? Who needs an act of kindness from you? As Jesus calls you to follow him, let me encourage you please park your boat. Go to the shore and go wherever he leads you. Jesus is the King of kings, amen? He is the King of glory, and he wants you to follow him today. Are you? I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, if you're being baptized today, right after I finish praying, go ahead and get up and head right on up to uh, get changed to be baptized. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of kings and that you have a mission to reveal yourself to a lost and dying world. We thank you, Lord, that you revealed yourself to us. Father, I pray right now, that as we leave this place today, we will listen for your call. We will desire to know you better, to know you more deeply, to hear your call, and to follow you. Lord, help us to park our boats, lay down our nets, and follow you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.